0: Let's start with a prayer. Lord, for this day we give you thanks. Um, come now, and uh, Lord, make this um, these humble offerings helpful to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a brief word of disclaimer: um, you may leave completely. I'm a little bit. I'm not usually nervous when I teach, but a little bit nervous about this class just because it is an absolute indulgence on my part. Um, it's class this week and next on YouTube. Um, which I'm always a little bit embarrassed about because it's just not cool to be a fan of U2 anymore. Um, but I am and I have been. It's hard to believe that I've been drugged across four different decades by U2. I'm going to put that self in the passive tense. I can get really lost in them. Um, they have been a big part of my life. Uh, not too far to say. As Bono said in a recent interview uh, recently, he used the Greek word "rema." which I love Bono for that reason. I'm not going to get kind of geek out and all that stuff. So really, it will not hurt my feelings at all. In fact, it will be a relief to me if you leave, because I go, good, I won't offend anybody. Uh, he used the word "rema." What's that? You can leave right now. <laughs> um, recently in an article with the L.A. Times of all places. And it's a Greek word that's used in the New Testament several times but in very specific instances. It means, um, you know, it's one of those words that doesn't have an exact uh translation, we call it the living word, as in famously, in, in Romans 10:17, faith cometh by hearing, and that being hearing the living word of Christ. Um, it's really, when you have a robust understanding of what preaching means, it's the proclaimed word, it's the living word that connects in, uh, uh, between a preacher and a hearer. And so it has all that theology of a passive tense, of a receptive life, of receiving a word that is alive, that does something to you. It does something to its hearer. Um, In theology, you would call this the killing and resurrecting word of Christ. Now, this can be, and most often it is best placed in all of the scripture, but it doesn't have to be. It can be the preached word as well. And that's where Bono is not a biblicist, um, but he's more of a systematic theologian, if you want to call it that. And that's where I get on board with him as well. Um, so, again, I'm going to sort of geek out here for the next two weeks. Please leave. Um, I'll talk to myself, which is really all I want to do, because I was talking to Chris. May and I are going to Chicago in a couple of weeks to see him. They're not coming south yet, but I'm going up. Uh, as I often do now, to, uh, to follow them uh, there. Um, and so I just wanted to do something before I go see them so I could force some time in front of the computer, uh, reading about them, which I don't normally do. I'm not that kind of geek. Uh, uh, I have been the last week, um, not yet. I wouldn't have a reason to because I'm teaching. I have to do my research. Um, uh, I read about them, which is how I read that article on the Rema and all that sort of thing. Uh, so we're just going to listen to a bunch of songs, hopefully four or five this week and next. Uh, I thought we'd just jump in. So without further ado, here is this is from their 360 tour, um, probably their anthem where the streets have no name um, written in 87. I came in on the Joshua Tree uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. This was their what second single from the Joshua Tree uh, it was a good studio track, um, but it became a great live track you two are a live band you're getting that rhema see i don't really know what the themes of these classes are but this is going to be one of them where they have a connection he bleeds he bleeds for connection that's what he says this whole tour is about this tour is about two things there is no them there's only us which is a line from the song invisible that uh which has koinonia community underneath it if we think of of the great question put out there in Genesis 4, who is my brother? Um, as Abel says about, or Cain says about Abel, who he just killed. Uh, there is the d- division, the, er- the erasure, the obliteration, the death of the division, the dividing wall, law gospel. of, uh, of uh, There's me and there's you. There's me, there's us, and there's them. And he's saying that's what things it's about. It's about reconciliation, about erasing that wall, that fourth wall. It was also in his interview Uh, of a division between me and you, us and them. There is no them. There's only us. And the second is about surrender, Uh, which goes way, way, way back. Of course, that's a title. Not, of course. I don't know how many of y'all are just stupid YouTube fans like I am. But that's a song from their war album called Surrender. And it's... Um, it's a, again the primary the the vita passiva the receptive life where we receive repentance more than we do it to think about surrender not so much as a, okay you got me I surrender but i'm still holding some volitional sort of hold back like the hero is still okay you got me but i've really got a gun behind my and i'm going to you know still come out i'm not really surrendering it's just part of my strategy it's more like the in say francis thompson's poem the hound of heaven the rabbit doesn't surrender to the hound Uh, When he's in the hound's mouth, he's like, okay, okay, game over, you know, you got me. Uh, He surrenders. He is surrendered because the hound got him. And there's that idea. I think he's totally on that. Bono is a Lutheran in his Protestantism. I'm convinced in the way that he approaches life. Um, And this is all captured here in where the streets have no name. Um, Their great anthem, which emerged... Uh, from the Joshua Tree, which has been a staple in their live sets. Um, and here, I like this version because he takes uh, the, the, the hymn, John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, and he uses that as the preface. It's very moving, I think. I think. Uh, Bono has been asked several times, What's the song? It's kind of a standard song for artists. What's the song you wish you would have written that you didn't write? Without blinking, you know what he says? Amazing Grace. It's just perfect. It's just so simple, and it says everything that needs to be said. And he took that song, and he uses the introduction to Where the Streets Have No Name, just to let it sort of lift us up and see where we are with Bono and the boys. Anybody else see that tour? That big thing. That's at the Rose Bowl. Um, and what they called their 360 tour. Um, you know, I don't really know what I'm gonna say, and I got a lot of songs. I don't wanna go too far off the field, but I guess come back, make comments. You know, let make this into. I just wanna listen to music together. Is all the intent here is really. That was at the 360 tour in the Rose Bowl. Obviously, all the way around, you know, sort of seated in the, seated in the middle, with the structure looking something like a spaceship. And they had David Bowie's um, "Space Odyssey," and they had you know uh, an astronaut piped in before "Beautiful Day" and all that. The idea here, I think, playing in, I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, if anything, Bono, because he drives all this, but all four of them are in this along with Willie Williams, who knows Craig, uh, who knows. Um, uh, Paul Walker, in fact, there's an admin connection, uh, who's their set designer. They think this way, plainly. Nothing is sort of, oh, that's really cool how that kind of happened. They, they think this way. The idea of alien, uh, of a space alien, of going out, well, that's also a pregnant word theologically. And he has proved himself, that he reads deeply in theology, philosophy, Um, certainly as a European as well. And I think there's no stretch here to think of the alien righteousness that he wants to transport us to, that everything is is, is directed upward to a vertical plane towards, may call it transcendence, or to an alienness, something outside of us, in other words, um, directing us away from ourselves after we have a word which defines us. So they're always playing with that. This place of final definition, call it surrender, call it being defined, being defeated, being killed, coming to the end of oneself, and then being imputed while I'm yet sinning, Christ died, to this place where I want to go, the longing, deep eschatology, you want to call it that, of of that which is not yet, but which is really real, the longing to go to the place where the streets have no name, there's no longer denominations, not just in terms of the church. But in terms of our names, you know, I'm a cracky, you're an Edwards. You know, uh, that now there is no them. There's not the Edwards. There's only us. You know, there's no names anymore. What is a name? That's law. Again, a law gospel dynamic totally at play here. Everything directing us to where we are one in Christ Jesus. Where is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. There's one hope, one faith, one baptism. Uh, there's one Father for us. All. And all of that is directing us out to that alien nature. And that's been their anthem, this place towards not just heaven then, but something even now, that sense of deep community. And I think it's all there. You know, one now nah, won't go there. God, I could say a lot. It's fun. i mean, y'all are just You can leave anytime you want because I'm going to go on. So. So with that, just kind of as the intro, what I thought I'd do is cue up some songs, a little bit from, um, or at least one, The Miracle of Joey Ramone from, from, uh, uh, from their newest album, but also to show a clip now from their current tour. It's not the one that exemplifies kind of the cool stuff that they're doing, um, but uh, Out of Control. It was their second, no, not quite their second single. Second single from their first true album, Boy. You know, Bono wrote this when he was probably 16, maybe 17 years old, and they're still playing it. He's 55, which is hard to believe. Um, you know, what was I doing at age 17 that I would still want to be singing about or doing when I'm 55? And he's changed it a little bit. Now he takes a whole different perspective on it. "Out of Control" is the song we're going to listen to next from their their tour right now. This was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Hey. Um, in, uh, in Los Angeles uh, when he was 16. Well, the idea of the tour that he had was um, sitting in his room. Now we know it's on 10 Cedarwood Road because that's the song off the new album uh, in Dublin. Sitting in his room, uh, his mom had just died two years ago. This is the, the new album, Songs of Innocence, is, uh, is very autobiographical. It's the most autobiographical one that's, that's, that's been out. There are 13 albums now. Um, and he had this idea. This was the idea for the tour, sitting beneath a single naked light bulb um, because he thought it was cool, and I did too, actually. I had the same thing to take the, the light fixture off, you know, when you're a teenager, you know, and it's just the light bulb, just the bulb itself. And that was the idea that he had for the whole thing, kind of stripped down. And he's taken that into the tour. There's no opening act on this tour. Why? This is U2's tour. It's their story. This is their story, and they want to tell it. Um, And so they come out, and they start with the miracle, and then they go into this, or Electrico, or something else. I chose this one. Because when he was even 16 or 17 years old, he said, you know, i got all this going on. He's angry, you know, difficult relationship with his dad. He's still trying to reconcile that. His mom just died, just found his bandmates. He's starting to taste that community. He's coming into a Christian faith. All this is documented. Family which took him in under his wings. The Rowans. They're a part of this album, like the guy, if you know him, the, you know the boy on boy, and then also on the war cover. It's one of them. It's the youngest of that family. So all that's at play here. Uh, and he wrote uh, this angry, they're, they're influenced by punk, um, uh, wrote this angry song, Out of Control. Of course, put their, their spin on it, because he said, the two biggest things that happen to us in our lives, we're born and we die. We don't have any control over that whatsoever. And so there he is, even as this angst-ridden teenager, wrestling with this. Four decades later, it's drug me across the decades, just like it's drug Bono himself. The guy wrote it to this place of, uh, as Luther would call it, being a theologian, not because of what you read or what you think about. Here's Luther's quote. Um, It is experience that makes you a theologian. It's not reading and writing that makes you a theologian. It's living and dying and being damned. That's what makes you a theologian? I'm positive Luther, I mean, Bono knows that quote now. He didn't know it then. He wouldn't have known it then. But he was right there, I would say, under the Holy Spirit's guidance, the Rama of Christ, the living Word, wrestling with this living, dying, being damned. Damn it, I, I don't get to choose to come into this world, and it's nothing but heartbreak right now. And it, I'm not going to choose when I go out. And so he has these words. Um, Monday morning, uh, how long? You say, how long? It was one dull morning. I woke the world with bawling, his uh, his birth. Um, And then later he says, I fought fate. There's blood on the garden gate. One day I'll die. The choice will not be mine. Will it be too late? You can't fight it. So he's naively, the 16, 17-year-old, writing this. But here we'll see a uh, 55-year-old man still trying to make some sense of his past. Pulling this out. Um, Importantly, because all these are going to have to do with death. They've had a lot of death. They're men of a certain age. They're all within a year of each other. They're all about 55, 54, 56 right now. Um, Several people have died recently. Uh, uh, Of course, a lot of this, again, about his, his mother who died when he was a teenager. His father who died about five years ago. And then they had a chaplain who I always wanted to get here, but now we can't because he died in January, a guy named Jack Hayslip who has been with them since before they were big. Relationships have been huge, and they've been loyal for decades to a lot of the people that they have around them. Um, Their chaplain died. That was a big deal. And then three days before the first tour, the first opening uh, uh, night of of this tour in Vancouver, uh, Larry Mullins, Sr., the father of the drummer, Larry Mellon Jr., died. And so Larry flew back. I think one other did, too. And then flew over the morning of from Ireland to Canada to, to do the show. So he's raw. He's right there. And then uh, their 33-year tour man, 30 For 33 years, their tour manager, a guy named Dennis Sheehan, died. And this is the song. The He died. They found him, like, 7 a.m. in his hotel room. He had a heart attack. And this is that night, the first night after uh, it was... Um, it was played and, uh, so, and impassioned, out of control because he's dealing very concretely with death. So let's see. So Gil, you know, this this song is from Boy. From Boy, their first album. And October was their second album. October was their second album. So you get a point for that. <laughs> yeah. Acting like he's 18, going back. probably just from a cell phone so it's not great the light bulb what's that yeah can't play the guitar a new hair color. <laughs> nod to his dad. Get the lights off. you know, I makes sense of that song, especially as they're old men now, um, and tying into this idea of surrender, surrendering to life on life's terms, to reality. Again, bringing Luther into the conversation. I think that Luther, I mean, I think Bono is always having a conversation with him at least implicitly, even if he doesn't know it. Luther would be a good muse for Bono. Certainly both are for, are for me. Uh, about the same time that Luther had, his experience makes a theologian. It is not reading and writing that makes you a theologian, but, 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 but living and dying and being damned. That's what makes you a theologian. About the same time, Luther was developing his, what, what was known as this theological, the theologica crucis, his theology of the cross. Where he said famously and, and correctly, I mean million dollars here, uh, a theologian calls a thing what it is calls a spade a spade in modern parlance. And that's where out of control comes in. We saw the anger. It's right. You know, Bono, what he's doing, he's writing psalms. He loves the psalms. He's even written an introduction to the psalms before. It's in print. It's worth, worth finding. Uh, just calling a spade a spade. I'm out of control. But now as 55-year-old men, where there's from post-punk, where it's just anger, now there's a certain amount of anger and grief and loss, and then it bleeds, work of the gospel, I think, to a point of acceptance. But at the same time, Simmel, simultaneously, you saw him, he's angry. His friend died 12 hours ago. Dennis Sheehan, been with him for 33 years, loyal to one another. And you saw, the, I saw, that anger, and that sort of after the, the introductions, where it's simultaneously, I'm angry and yet confident that this world is not all there is, that there's something else, that the cross makes sense where life leaves us senseless, uh, where there is something bigger than death. Um, I think this out of control, it starts to release that, especially now as they're pulling it back out, dusting it off, and giving it some new life at the beginning of their uh, innocence tour, where they're trying to make sense, i.e. paradise lost and paradise found, Uh, trying to make some sense of their life. So with that as a bridge, I thought the next one we'd queue up. is one they pulled out a couple of nights ago, in fact, which they haven't done in a long, long, long time. I just always like this song because of the way it builds the closing of Rattle and Hum called All I Want Is You, the music video, which uh, if I had to sort of facetiously give it an award, it's definitely the music video from 1989 that most resembles a Flannery O'Connor short story. That was supposed to be funny. Um... Uh, thank you. Um, thank you very much. Uh, just a song of, of longing and loss. And now for me personally, it's become a song um, which really can give voice in the idea of a muse, where it speaks a canon is a rule outside of oneself. Remember, alien, it's not part of me. Uh, it's outside of me. It's alien to me, where it speaks in a certain sense for me. And this is one of the songs that can do that where it could be a song of an expression of grief. All I want is you. All I want is you. Whether that's somebody that's lost. Bono, here's my introduction to this, because it's going to build next week, too. Bono's always working in two planes, the horizontal and the vertical. I say always, 95% of the time. And I do think that's true. It's a, It can be a song about love lost, which is kind of what the, the, the O'Connor story here is in black and white um seen almost in the grotesque of a, of a midget from, from, a, from, a, from a circus falling in love with a trapeze artist. And, of course, that's never going to work. And it's very poignant, actually. It's a little short, silent film. So it can be a song of lost love or unfulfilled longing on the horizontal level. But it can also be on the vertical level of, of a, how long, O Lord? Remember the anger of out of control? How long will i be out of control? How long... Until I hear you, until the living word does something to me. How long? So, say, uh, so says Israel, voiced especially in the Psalms. But then again, at the simultaneous time where the, uh, dem- the question, all I want is you, becomes a confident assertion of the way things actually are. Of clarity to say, my longing finally finds its object. All I want at the end of everything, so we can say, uh, I didn't tear up, so we can say, all I want is you. I don't want the money, the fame, the fortune, the houses, the, uh, uh, the accolades, the power, the people, the prestige. All I want is you. All I want is you. All I want is you. I need to start screaming with this great buildup. So, that's the play. I'm trying to set it up for you to hear a little bit of what I hear, as these people have been with me for this long. Um, and to watch a really cool sort of story unfold as well. One that I really don't know what it means, per se, but it definitely evokes that longing and loss and, in some ways, the possibility of relief. It's 1989 quality, so it's a little bit grainy. What's that? the time I, knew I was gonna run short I'll hurry and do the last one um, touching on that uh, again longing loss clarity experience living dying being damned uh, calling a spade a spade all I want is you coming to the place finally of being able to say there is no them or keeping that tension of that deep, Need even for no more separation, no more. There's me and there's you. That which I can't have, but but so so deeply want. There's the tension that they capture. I think very well in that little song. And so the last one um, now off their new album, the opening track, what they're also starting with, the miracle. Parentheses of Joey Ramone. On the face of it, it's about again their autobiographical exploration that time when they snuck in all four of them to ramon's concert and found bono especially sort of this this confidence this awakening that okay i can do this because joey ramon was uh, known to sing like a girl uh kind of a high screeching voice and bono who never had any kind of training and how to sing he just had a lot of bravado and desire uh that well i can do this if he can do that i can be the front man for the hype for the band uh And so I woke up when I heard you singing. We'll go all the way back. Remember Amazing Grace? How sweet the what? How sweet the sound. The sound of grace. The sound of Christ's words. The rhema. The living word saying, Lazarus, come forth of awake. The sound of the word saying, Let there be light. And Mary in thy womb conceive. And the Holy Spirit speaking well, the miracle is really not at all about just, just, it's at least a double, if not a triple, quadruple entendre here, like all of his, his, uh, his writings. Uh, it's not about coming to confidence as a singer or as a band. It's an Easter hymn. It's a, it's a hymn of, I woke up at the moment when the miracle occurred. When, as the Apostle Paul would say, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks, Arise, O sleeper, and wake. And now the resurrection, since I've died with Christ, so also shall I share with his resurrection, this resurrection song. And it's buried in all sorts of distortion and all that. But where did Bono introduce this on the night um, after Dennis Sheehan's, again, his tour manager's death? He came out and right before he started the song, what did he say? He said, for those who have ears to hear. Again, how do we have ears to hear? Only if our ears are awoken, as the Psalms again would say. By God, on our own, a dead man, a natural man, has no ability to hear. It has to be uh, turned on, so to speak, activated, animated by the living word, the rhema. And so the miracle, uh, I'm out of control. I can't make the miracle happen. It has to come to me. A good example, too, of his songwriting, where sometimes, always, the verses have to do with the chorus, but sometimes also a couplet Maybe the whole of the song, or the chorus may be sort of the, the whole nut of the song. And I think that's a way that this song kind of materializes. So we'll end on this, and then stay after if you want to. We can keep talking, but we can also leave. Or you can go right now. So. Just their video. I like it. I like it a lot. Before his accident, he still got his guitar. Easter-like light, light. So from, we'll end, uh, out of control, senseless, chaos, anger, to a place where I woke up to uh, this beautiful sound that made sense out of the world. Lord, come, um, speak your living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. It's good to be with you all. Appreciate your indulgence.